0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: 1-0. That ball's lifted to left field. That's popped pretty well. Eric Young Jr. on the track. There it goes. Altuve puts the Astros on top with his 10th home run of the season. Now Correa makes a bid. Left center field, and that is gone. Carlos Correa's first home run since coming off the DL in his 12th game back. And he makes it a 6 to nothing contest with a blast to left center, his 14th homer of the season.
2: Well, the last few games we've seen Correa start to round into form. He's been hitting a lot more balls hard. Even his outs have been hit harder. And now the, the
1: first home run since his return. First home run in more than two months. That was gorgeous. Tackle set right at the belt. There's one out. Runner on second. First pitch swinging and lines it into right center field. Redick will play it on top. They're going to send the runner home. Altuve's throw on the relay is out at home. Reddick to Altuve to Maldonado
2: great speed at second. Simmons runs well at first. Feels like this is the ball game. Sim comes set. Now the 1-2. Swing and a miss. Chase the slider in the dirt. Picked out of there by Maldonado. Throws to first to get the out, and the inning is over. Angels do get a run on Simmons' RBI single, but they strand a pair. And through eight innings... Astros 7, Angels 3, and that is lined in the left field, and that is going to get down and go all the way to the wall. Bregman scores. Correa on his way around third. He will score. It's a two-run double
1: for Tyler White and a 9-3 lead for the Astros. We know the game's gotten out of hand we turn the attention to the radio booth. Yeah, that's not a good sign for anybody. No.
2: (laughs) There's a reason they don't put us on TV an 0-1 count to Eric Young Jr. Harris delivers and that's chopped right side to his right the second baseman Altuve he's got it throws to first and that is the ball game the Houston Astros win their third in a row taking the first game of this three-game series in Anaheim defeating the Angels tonight by a final
3: of nine to three this is another Astros podcast
2: and he delivers and Marwin drives this one toward the left center field gap. Going back on it young and Trout looking up. See you later. A grand slam for Marwin Gonzalez. The second of his career and the Astros go up 5 to nothing.
1: They'll make that 7 home runs in the month of August. He's been their hottest hitter, four RBIs on that swing. Opens this game up. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined
2: by Dave Hutchins, Astros hitting coach. And we've seen the Astros offense last few games on this road trip. Uh, put together uh, some, some really nice rallies. We've seen the quality of at-bats improve. And there was a period there where it seemed like guys, guys were pressing, especially with all the guys who were out of the lineup.
4: Yeah, I think that's the key. You know, we had a bunch of guys out of the lineup from, uh, you know, Jose to Carlos. George and, you know, Marisnyk out from time to time. and But some other guys stepped up. You know, Whitey's done a great job. Tony Kipps give great at-bats. yuli has been consistent. Uh, Marwin's starting to get going a little bit. Maldonado's come over and give us some, you know, really good at-bats. So, at this point now, our lineup's starting to extend a little bit. Carlos is starting to feel better at the plate. Jose's picking it up uh, as he gets more at-bats. And, you know, Marwin's continuing to swing the bat good. So, you know, I think we've got things going in the right direction.
2: You mentioned Tyler White, and he's been up and down the the last few years with the Astros, and we've seen some bright spots. But it seems like this is probably the the longest period of sustained success he's had at the big league level. What's been the key for him?
4: Well, you know, we always knew he could hit. Yeah. I think it's a matter of him relaxing and feeling comfortable, and maybe feeling he belongs instead of trying to you know prove himself all the time. Possibly, I don't. Mean, he's, he's always hit about at every level. Of course, a couple of years ago, he gets off that great start on the road. Right. And, um, you know, so we know that he can, can do it. Now he's, I think he's relaxing a little bit. He sees where he fits. Um, he, he can really hit.
2: Martin Maldonado got off to a slow start offensively when he came over from the Angels, and he had been struggling uh, near the end of his time with the the Angels as well. But we've seen him really come alive on this road trip. A uh, lot of extra base hits, three home runs, had a big RBI single. And last night's ball game, any adjustments Maldonado made that, that has helped him uh, do what he's been able to
4: do lately? Uh, he's made a couple little adjustments he came over, but I think the big thing is getting good balls to hit. Uh, you know, being down in the lineup where he's at, he's going to get some some fastballs. I think being selective at the plate, maybe not trying to do too much. He's had you know like hits a couple homers, but he's had a couple base hits the other way that have been big, and you know just trying not to do too much, not trying to pull everything, not trying to hit homers, just trying to have good quality at bats. I think has helped him.
2: You know, Josh Reddick's someone who you know he's had an ups his ups and downs this year, but throughout the year he's hit left-handed pitching well as a left-handed hitter, and we saw him hit. Lefties well last year. What's the key for a guy like Reddick to do so well against left handed pitchers? Is it about keeping that front shoulder in?
4: Yeah, that's a big part of it. I think with Josh, it's a matter of seeing him. I know when he, when he came over from Oakland, he was platooned quite a bit, so he didn't see a whole lot of lefties. So, you know, he, he can hit lefties. There's certain lefties that everybody has problems with, you know, Chris mm-hmm. Sale and those kind of guys. But um, he stays in there really well off him. You know, he's had some big base hits the other way. And, yeah, like you said, keeping the front side in, not trying to pull everything, trying to stay up the middle and getting, you know, getting a ball you can handle. And then, you know, laying off that that slider, they like to throw this down in the dirt away, which is uh, easy to commit to sometimes. So, but, yeah, Josh, Josh is a good job. He, he grinds out at bats. He's a tough out. He plays hard. He's, he's great in our lineup.
2: Tony Kemp is another guy who's been able to make the most of his opportunities this year and really had to fight for some opportunities to, to get a chance to play regularly. And you look at his numbers in the nine spot, and they're just really impressive. The leadoff spot doesn't have quite as as big of a sample size, but but has struggled there. Do you think there's anything to that, or do you think he just might be a better fit in the nine spot?
4: I think probably, like you said, a small sample. He yeah. hasn't had a huge opportunity. He's probably let off his whole life. He knows how to do that. He grinds out of bats. He's really the second leadoff hitter there in the in the nine hole uh, does a great job of turning the lineup over tough at bat fouls pitches off uh, hits the ball all over the field will take his walk uh, you know he did he has really uh, done a nice job for us uh, in left field too so um, grinding out at bats I mean he, he I don't want to say he's a little bit like Whitey he's obviously Whitey's got a little more a little more power but Uh, in that his opportunity up and down from uh, the big leagues to triple-A, always hitting triple-A, always always hit everywhere he's been, uh, and then finally getting a little bit more of an opportunity. And like, like Whitey's taking advantage of it.
2: Dave Hudgens, Astros hitting coach. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, Robert. My pleasure. We'll be back with more of Astro
1: right after this. Nothing goes better with nine innings of Astros baseball than a cold Carbock beer.
2: And the first pitch of the ball game is a fastball high.
1: So tune into the game and crack open a Love Street, Colch-style Blonde, or Hopadillo IPA to root on your Houston Astros. It's game time, so grab a cold, locally brewed Carbock. If you're in Houston, drop by the brewery where we're open seven days a week serving up great food, delicious beer, and plenty of good times. Follow us on social at Carbock Brewing. Barbach Brewing, Houston, Texas. Well,
0: Chandler Rome, writer for the Houston Chronicle, is my guest today. And Chandler, I want to ask you uh, about your favorite article that you've written. This is your first year with the Astros team this year, and Written a lot of great articles, but what's your favorite one been so far?
5: Well, it's weird because a lot of my job is a lot of game stories. It's a lot of deadline stuff. It's a lot of stuff that when you finish, you kind of rush through it, and uh-huh. then you read it back, and you're like, "Man, I could have made that a lot better." Um, but th- there are a couple stories that I've gotten a lot of time to work on. One of them was right before the Astros went back to Arlington for the final time this year. I talked okay. to a lot of people uh, surrounding Evan Gaddis. Evan Gaddis is a—he grew up in Arlington. He grew up, you know, loving that ballpark. He grew up—that's where he learned about baseball and really. He, enjoyed the game there so I got a a really cool story about how Evan Gaddis sort of came up in Arlington and how he loved the ballpark at Arlington and now it's Globe Life Park and then another one right after the all-star game I did kind of a longer story on Alex Bregman he had just he was setting the baseball world on fire at that point he was he just won all-star game MVP he was in the home run derby he was Probably he was unquestionably the Astros' best player of the first half, the best position player in the first half. So um, really getting to kind of see what makes Alex Bregman tick and really get inside his mind, which is, you know, and this is the quote that stands out from his dad, Stan. He said, you know, Alex Bregman thinks he can be the greatest baseball player alive and it's not it is not a joke and it's and he said it in complete seriousness and that's what drives him that's yeah. what drives Bregman he he legitimately thinks he can be the best baseball player alive and he will tell you that from day one and he works tirelessly and that's the why that's why he's so sure of himself that's why he's so confident out there cuz he knows how much work he puts in it's probably one of the you know when you get to the big league level you hear about all these guys that work hard i mean this is this is their jobs they have to work hard but Bregman sort of takes it to another level and i was happy to kind of get to be able to look at that and kind of detail that a little bit more.
0: We get to see it kind of on a daily basis, Chandler, but with Bregman it seems like for a player to be truly great, he has to have a real passion for the game, and I think he loves to work hard too. How many people do you, did you get a chance to, to talk to, either either with Gaddis's family or coaches or in the past or same thing with Bregman's?
5: You know, for, for stories like that, you like to talk to at least, you know, I, I think I had interviews spanning about four hours with 10 different people right. uh, for the Bregman story. And there were some I didn't even use. There were some, some people I talked to that I didn't even use direct quotes from that. But if I picked up something that they said, I may have thrown it in a line here or there. And I mean, when you write, you want to be able to say that you are the authority on the story that you do. You want to be able to say when you go sit, when you go sit down and write a story of that length, you want to be able to say, you know, I've talked to everybody possible that could have anything any insight any sort of anything on Alex Bregman and I thought I got that you know the Evan Gaddis story I didn't have as much time with that one that was something that came together pretty quickly I got to talk to Evan's dad he's a great guy talked to his stepbrother talked to a couple other people around Gaddis so that one was a little uh, had a little less time with that one but the Bregman story was really something I worked on for about I mean that's about a two or three week process and that's you know it's not easy especially considering you know you're still covering games at that point I was reporting it at the all-star game too while the Astros had six guys in the all-star Game and a lot of work to be done there, but you, you for a story that you really want to make good, you got to carve out time for it, and I thought I was able to do that. Talking totally. with Chandler Rome
0: from the Houston Chronicle, okay, you get all that information, Chandler, then how do you create a good story? How do, how do you make it compelling? Is there a, a couple of absolutes, rules that you have to do when writing an, a, a story like that?
5: Uh, you, you certainly don't want to just kind of regurgitate. You know, th- this was not a story about stats, this was not a story about you know, what Alex Bregman's OPS is, what Alex how Alex Bregman's hitting twenty five home runs. That that was not what the story's about. The story is about telling the reader what they don't already know. Like I my goal with in writing that story and writing the story about Evan Gaddis, I wanted to You know nothing that they could go Google Evan Gaddis's name or Google Alex Bregman's name and see what I'm about to write. I wanted to bring something different. You know, and that's what we all search for as reporters. You know, I think Jake Kaplan would tell you the same thing. I think Brian McTaggart would tell you the same thing. We're all looking for that unique angle. We're all looking for that unique sort of story that nobody's written, and it's really difficult to do on a on a pretty high profile club with a lot of guys that have been in the league for a while, and it kind of seems like they've been written to death. A lot of them. So that can be difficult, but that that is the number one. Goal when you're writing these long stories is you want you want to have something that nobody else does and I think I had a couple um, especially in the Gaddis story I don't think really anybody had really ever gotten into you know his upbringing in Arlington and kind of what that ballpark meant to him I think that was that was probably my most unique story of the year and then you know with Alex Bregman I, some of the stuff I wrote about Alex Bregman was known but I was able to get I think some different perspectives talk to some different people that maybe hadn't been you know quoted or hasn't been hadn't been put out there about Bregman. So you're always looking to be different, and you're always looking to give readers something that they didn't know before.
0: All right, this Chandler Rome, Houston Chronicle. Great stuff, buddy. Uh, love reading your stuff, so keep up the great work. All right, thanks, Marky.
3: The Houston Astros Radio Network.
1: That ball is gone!
3: Steve Sparks, Robert Ford.
1: And you can kiss it goodbye!
3: This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest